Hey everyone, I'm Jordan Mello and you're listening to the Sanctus Church Podcast. Our mission here at Sanctus is to glorify God by reaching and enabling people of all ages and nations to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Let's prepare our hearts for what we're about to hear. Mary, Mother of Jesus, but called the Mother of God? Mary is one of the most recognizable figures in all of human history. We find her in the art in many cultures on Earth. Some call her the first Christian. Others call her the New Testament tabernacle. God calls her blessed above all women. It seems like some venerate her, others worship her, and others want nothing to do with her. Is she a model or example for us? How should her life and walk with Jesus affect how we view Jesus? Why does she matter? How can her story help us better understand Christmas and beyond Christmas, encounter Jesus for the first time or meet him in a brand new way? How does her story help us become more fully devoted followers like she was? Welcome to Christmas Eve. So glad that you've decided to join us. You might be meeting in Pickering or in Bowmanville or Port Perry or at Ajax, or you might be on our online site watching in Ontario, Canada, somewhere else in the world. No matter who you are, no matter where you're from, Welcome to this Christmas Eve moment. Now, I know some of you are in person or tuning in because this is a family thing. Some of you, this is tradition. You come at like Easter or Christmas. Some of you, lots of you have been dragged here by a grandma or a mom or a dad or a best friend and you don't really want to be here, but you're here. You're most welcome. Some of you are desperate. You're literally showed up and you're like, I wonder if God is real and if he loves me. Others of us are here to worship Jesus because we know him personally. So we're here for tons of different reasons. And not only that, let's be honest, as we get going, Christmas is complicated. Lots of joy and lots of sorrow and lots of expectation and lots of anxiety and lots of wonder and a lot of wandering all at once. Now, I think we could all agree, at least within the West, in the next 24 hours, there is a major focus about to take place or is already taking place. It is about one thing. It is about gifts. Now, maybe you were like me if you grew up in a family that that celebrated Christmas. Uh, Do you remember hunting for the gifts before Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? Looking for the gifts all over the house, looking for days with passion to find the hidden place. Now, I only found them once. I shared this years ago, and I could not bring myself to look at them. I'm an only child, firstborn child. We're all rule followers. You second and thirdborns, I don't know what to do, but that's our deal. Now, I know some of you, you did go farther, actually. You found them, and then you were faced with the temptation of opening the gifts. And many of you opened the gifts, but you did it in so many different ways. There's what I call the shy violators among us. You would sort of look at the gift when you discovered it and sort of touch it carefully to experience the size and shape, but not do much more. Then there's the violent people among us. You know who you are. You're the shakers. You'd grab the gift and you'd shake it violently to hear what would it, you know, what it is or what it could be, not thinking that, of course, you could smash something. And if it's Lego, you, of course, found out. And then there's the more devious among us. Beyond the visual or, or the shaking, you would very deviously like carefully lift up a little tape and just peek inside or you'd get a little knife and get a little slit in the paper to see what it was. But then there's another group of you, 
evil children, I would say, and you didn't just sneak a peek. You opened the whole gift. You know who you are. Maybe you'd like to raise your hand right now for everyone to see who you are. Go ahead. If you're that person, raise your hand. We all see you. And then when you opened the gift, you were stuck with, a, stuck with another temptation. See, it's what I call the Christmas unforgivable sin. The temptation grew more and more because now you're asking the question, should I play with the toy? Should I unpack the toy? I want all the joy right now. And some of you, of course, did this. You know who you are. And then you went even to the darker place. After you had your fun, then you put the toy back in the package. You rewrapped it carefully, placed it back in the hiding place or under the tree. But then you had to lie. And this is the greatest cover-up of all. I mean, Christmas morning comes along and the joy's already gone and the surprise is removed and you have to fake the excitement. So you would unwrap it and you'd cry out and you'd get a Golden Globe or an Oscar because your performance was so unbelievable. But you knew and you know it was all fake. And of course, you didn't tell your parents that you had done it because you already knew where the hiding spot was. So you were already planning your sinful activity for next year because you, of course, wanted to see that again. My, my daughters, who are both teenagers, were telling me this week that what their friends are doing now is they just break into their parents' email account or go on their Amazon account to see what's been ordered. Or if Amazon boxes have arrived, they cut them open, see the gift, and retape them. The interesting thing that ties all that together is one thing, <laughs> hiddenness. And by the way, hiddenness is why Christmas actually takes place. And at the center of the story of dealing with our problem of hiddenness is Jesus and his mom, Mary. Now, we've been talking a lot about Mary in our church for the last little while, and maybe you're from another faith, another religion, or you're spiritual but not religious, or you're secular, and you might know a little bit about Mary. Others of you grew up in like Catholic or Orthodox or more Anglican environments, and Mary was at the center of art and prayer and faith, and some of you from those backgrounds um, maybe even sort of miss her a little bit. Others of you left churches like that, and you're like, I'm so glad I left that because she got in the way of Jesus. It's almost like we worshiped her more than Jesus. And then others of you have church experience where you knew Mary was Jesus's mom, but not much more. So to understand the role of Mary and to understand the role of Jesus and the problem of hiddenness, we all actually need to go back to the beginning. Only after you go back to the beginning does the middle and the end make sense. We'll never actually understand why Christmas exists and what's being offered until we see what we lost so long ago. All the way back in Genesis, it reads like this, and God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And, and, and the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't do that, for if you eat from it, you will certainly die. And the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone, so I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. And then it says in verse 19, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground the wild animals and all the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. And then verse 25, and Adam and his wife Eve were both naked and they felt no shame. Uh, everything is amazing at this moment in history. Adam and Eve are with each other. They're naked. They're great. No shame, no guilt, no self-hate, no feelings of inadequacy. There's nothing between them. There is no wrong motive. There's no hidden agenda. There's nothing hidden. And notice, creation and humans are good too. There's no danger from the animals. There's no natural disasters, no disease, no famine, no pollution, uh, no death. And then they and God are great too. No hiddenness. The word salvation wasn't even needed. It, went, it didn't even exist. But notice one thing. God warns them not to eat just of one tree. 
the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, some of you who don't have a lot of church background or do are like, I think God's sort of a jerk. Why would he give us the option in the first place? He feels like a cruel father just wanting his children to mess up. Or maybe he's like an out of control coach like dad who's just sort of like testing us to see how strong our will is. No. The reason why that's there is to affirm that we're different than animals and everything else because actually to be human is to have choice. That choice affirms our uniqueness and our identity. It's not a setup, it's an affirmation. So all was good and all was great and all was perfect, but choice was there. Uh, and then, oh, and then, Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord God had made, and he said to Eve, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Eve said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, we must not eat uh, fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and we must not touch it because we would die. You will not certainly die, the, the serpent said to Eve, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be more like God knowing good and evil. You know, it's interesting, Satan, even today in 2023, always says to human beings, whether they know it's his voice or not, did God really say, are you sure God knows what he's talking about? Are you sure you're, you'd be better off if you did what you want? See, he basically says disobedience brings blessing, breaking God's laws, breaking your relationship with God is the best thing you can do. It brings positive results. He, of course, is living proof this is untrue, and the promise, of course, is poison. Well, just like us trying to find those hidden gifts, it says in verse 6, when Eve saw the fruit of the tree was good for food, and it was pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it, and she also gave some to Adam, her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Sin is not only breaking God's law. Sin is also breaking a covenant. It's smearing a relationship. It's actually betraying a partner. Well, what happened? It says in verse 7 that their eyes... Both of their eyes were opened and they realized they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. We have to cover up what we just did. So now Adam and Eve are hidden from each other. But then it gets so much worse. Some of you are like, John, uh, Christmas, it's Christmas Eve. What's this to do? Just hold on. It says in verse 8, that then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he walked in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, and the Lord God called to the man, where are you? The day's work was over. God comes to take his everyday evening stroll with the people he loves. See, the very first large-scale result of our sin was to hide from love itself. By the way, we've been hiding from God ever since. If you're a guest tonight, please listen. We've been trying to avoid God at any cost. The human family is filled with so many acts of hiding. One of the largest acts of hiding from God, believe it or not, is the act of religion. Most people on earth think that actually they can prove themselves to God by acting really good, which means I'm my own savior, right? And then there are spiritual people. They think they'll be enlightened by their own activity. And then there's tons of people among us that are secular. I don't need God. I'm going to do life by myself. All sorts of people fill their life with sex and money and relationships and power and education and scientific exploration and intellectual knowledge and fighting for rights and some of these things are good and some bad and some neutral but in the end they all become evil when they're an act of hiding and we walk away from the God we're supposed to walk with. Interesting, do you notice this that God looks and God longs and God misses us? 
How do you feel when you heard the moment when God walked in the garden looking for Adam and Eve? Did, did you interpret it like an angry dad stomping through the trees yelling, where are you? I know you messed up, you little brats. Or is actually God here a parent running through the mall in the middle of like a Christmas crowd trying to find a lost kid? Oh, that's it. God deeply hurt, yes. His justice spurned, oh yes. Punishment for sin, of course. But he longs for them and he longs for you even tonight. The Lord God called the man, where are you? It's funny, human beings always talk about all the time, we're looking for God, I'm searching for God, I'm looking for purpose. No, no, God comes for us when we can't get for him. This is the first sign of Christmas right here in Genesis. And then Adam answers, honestly, well, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. I was self-conscious and I was afraid and I was scared and I was fearful and I was terrified and I was anxious and I was in trouble for the first time. God said, "Um, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from that tree I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, oh, well, (laughs) it's the woman. It's the woman you put here with me. Some people are looking right now beside them. Uh, She gave me fruit from the tree and I ate it. And the Lord God said to Eve, "Uh, what is this you've done? And the woman said, oh, no, 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 it's a serpent. It's a serpent that deceived me. No, it's the woman's fault, Adam says. You gave her to me, it's your fault. And no, no, it's not my fault, Eve says. It's the snake's fault. But really, actually, let's all be honest, God. It's your fault because you made all of us and you put the tree there. So actually, you're the one who messed up everything. Well, if you read the story, God speaks full of holy anger and also with mercy at the same time. And he deals with sin and and, and evil. And he's honest about the consequences of our choice. But right here, here's the Christmas connection. Right here, when everything falls apart, God speaks about salvation and redemption and deliverance and recovery and escape. And he says this. Here's the first real sign of Christmas. So the Lord God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is literally the first sign of Christmas. There is a woman coming and in the future, her offspring is going to deal with what you've done, Satan. Yes, you're going to strike him. Yes, you're going to wound him, but he's going to crush your head. There is a second Eve coming and she's going to say yes to God and her son is going to deal with everything you've done. One of the most famous pictures of Christmas is actually not really famous in many circles. Here it is right here. You should be seeing it now. You've got Eve on one side, remorseful because of the sin and the mistakes she made and the loss. And you see the serpent wrapped there. And then you see Mary looking at Eve. And now the Satan's crushed because of who's in her belly. See, at the very beginning of time, Christmas was promised. There was hope. The very first echoes, the very first signs were were, were given right after everything fell apart. God spoke to that snake and said there was one coming who would destroy his work forever. See, Jesus was born to live, then to die, then to rise again, to break the power of Satan. I mean, this is recorded beautifully in this amazing old carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Come, desire of nation, come, fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed, bruise in us the serpent's head. Now display thy saving power, ruin nature now restored, now in mystic union join thine to ours and ours to thine. This old carol with some of the courses we tend not to sing reminds us, not only Jesus was born and Jesus lived, when Jesus physically rose from the dead, He not only overcame all the stuff we've done hidden privately and publicly, he has the ability to forgive sin for real. 
Not only did he break the cycle of death, because since he came back, we can too, he would deal with the cruelest of slave owners, Satan himself. I mean, this is what Jesus' best friend said in 1 John 3, 8. The reason why the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work, to crush his head. Then there's this little verse all the way back in Genesis that sometimes we don't ever read. It says in Genesis 3.21, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife Eve and clothed them. Can you imagine God leaning in towards them after they've done basically destroying everything that was perfect? I'm sure they expected to die or be struck down. And, and instead, God walks into the cover-up. <laughs> God walks into the hiding. God takes off their meager fig leaves and gives them a better covering, garments of skin. But animals now have to die. And this is the beginning. This is the sign. See, later animals would be sacrificed in the temple to try to cover sin. But ultimately, and here's the amazing connection, God would give Jesus, and Jesus would die on a cross, and literally he would bleed out for us and die, and he would become the better covering. He would be the, the ultimate covering, so actually we could come back to the Father. See, as one person said, Christmas began in the heart of God, but it's only complete when it reaches the heart of people. Then all will be well. Well, that first Christmas night, Mary did say yes to the angel, and Jesus really did show up in the world, and he really did live and die and rise again, and he conquered that snake and crushed its head. And everything can be well for you. There's something better than the little fig leaves that we try covering our stuff with. And there's something so much stronger than all our attempts at hiding. God looks. God's taken the initiative. God be can be known. God comes now to meet with you. And listen, I just want to say, as you gather, no matter where you are in the world, on this Christmas Eve, I just want to remind you, you want to know what Christmas Eve is really about? This is what Christmas Eve is really about. Why did Mary say yes? And why did Jesus come in the world? Here it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in Jesus will not die but will be given eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. Whoever does not believe in Jesus stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This Christmas Eve, we need to be reminded, as one said, Christmas is a time for honesty. And actually, we all need to admit that actually we've all hidden, we've all snuck, we've all done things, and we need someone beyond us to save us. Christmas is an occasion for truth, to admit there's an answer, and his name is Jesus. Christmas is a moment of salvation. All you need to do tonight is say, Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Literally, I need to trust you, and I will be transformed. And, and, then, and then the promise of reconciliation and the beginning of freedom can happen even this night. What will you do with Jesus this Christmas? Will you embrace him? And for those that have embraced him, which many of us have, I remind you that he's come, he's conquered sin, death, and the demonic. We are forgiven. We have life. Celebrate that life. And do not forget, there's another Advent coming when he'll return and he'll make everything right.
This Christmas Eve, we thank you, God, for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you for entering into our hiding. Make all things right, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, please visit our website at sanctuschurch.com. There you'll find ways to support our ministry and God's vision for this church. Last but not least, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to hit that follow button to be notified when another episode releases. God bless your week and we'll see you next time.